Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the discussion. All right, great. And that's what, like I was saying, I was thankful I hit a rock bottom. All right, no, way to go. We found careers and how you can realize whether you love or don't love yours and told you how I didn't love mine. But now, once you get to that bottom, it's okay, great. Now, what am I going to do? Here's where it got me. And this, I, I tell you, I, my story is so lucky that it l- lined me up to learn this lesson. Because that bottom I hit, when I left, lost that identity, whenever I got that manager at Big Brown stripped off my chest, I thought, that's okay. I've got my resume, got this degree, got all that experience. I just have to walk in the door and say, hey, I'm here. Yeah. What do you want me to do? I honestly thought that was the way it's going to go down. Where do I park? Yeah, yeah. Just just let me know whenever I get my shirts. I like blue. <laughs> I'm a medium large. Yeah. It, and that wasn't happening. I spent six months in the deepest depression I thought I was ever going to find. And whenever I came working with you guys, that was what kind of finally let me out of it. But here's the problem. I still hadn't learned the lesson. Like I kind of hit a bottom there realizing I wasn't finding the feel for those holes in my life mm-hmm. that wasn't going to come from the first career. So I, all right, let me go get another one. So I started again. This is a little more tolerable. I had more time at home with the family. Mm-hmm. It was getting more tolerable for the amount of how big my career peg was. Mm-hmm. Like I started realizing that <clears throat> the time with my family peg was starting to get a little bit bigger. Now, it's an interesting time, though, on this second career that I'm at, and as I bring it in with the addiction stuff. Because, see, my road with the 15 years of struggling with alcohol after I finally decided to quit, it wasn't like I was doing it every day. You talk about how it might have been affecting you at work. It had much more effect on my family life with what I was doing. Because, honestly, my drinking got to where I wasn't very often. I would try to only do it at certain times and not when it was going to affect my job. I got real close at, uh, at, at our place once, but the problem with the family, though, was even though it wasn't very often, if it was ever happening, the opportunity for despair or just difficulty in my family unit was was high. And because you put them in a different mental state, yeah, and I didn't see that for yeah. so long. You, I, don't I think just, you can I see like, that. like, I could only see myself. There was the selfishness yeah. because in some ways, like we said, selfishness is important because you have to put your own mask on before you can put anybody else's. You have to be a whole person so that you can engage with others. And you need to be selfish in that fact. You need to have boundaries in whatever helps set that up for you as a person. And that was tough with my family and drinking. And once I finally saw that, once I got to a selfless place. How did you see that, though? What was your breakthrough? Uh, I, I wish I had the answer. I honestly do. There have been so many times in that 15 years when I, 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 I have horrific stories. Uh, I don't want to sit here and try to swap too many back and forth. I'm not trying to outdo an alcohol or drug addiction stories with anyone. But there were plenty of them that I look back on 
that I could have said that's the time I stopped drinking. And you probably thought like, after that episode that it was, right? Like no. That, no? It's, See, it's amazing had... how you can go through that sort of pain and embarrassment and disheveling of everything that matters to you in life. And then the next day wake up and be like, oh, man, I got to try that again different. Like, next time... <laughs> I'm not kidding. I tried to keep drinking alcohol in a healthy way. I need to get better at this. So I do. Yes. I thought I could That's figure great. it out. I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. I no. love this too much. Everybody in society does this too much. This is the only way to have fun, enjoyment, yeah. to find a mate, to be sexy. So like, I just got to keep working on my craft of yeah. alcoholism. Yeah. yeah. And I did I that for some this. Hey, I'll even give you. I, I mean, I, I tried Which to is not too, that's, that's not too different from the AA reference you made earlier. Where the guy said, if I wasn't alcoholic, I could just drink all the time, right? <laughs> it's the same level of confusion, but it's also a human tendency. We tend to look for the best, even in these bad situations. You probably had a friend you like to drink with. You probably have friends that still like to drink. There are a lot of things within an addiction journey that are not all just raging. I, I left my car. Where's my car? I ran over a tree. They, they're not all full of what would make a Hollywood movie. Yep. A, a lot of them are these subtle moments. And maybe your breakthrough was a cultivation of those subtle moments and the negative impact of those subtle moments. <clears throat> it it might have been. I, I know it was. You're exactly right. And Because and, even at the time, like there were times whenever I was bringing the, the, the drink up to my mouth to start the day, knowing that it was going to keep going from here, that I would say to myself, one day I'm going to find a road to sobriety. This is my road to sobriety. I'm on my way to being sober. I know that this is not going to encompass my whole life. You're saying this as you're drinking? As I'm doing for years and years of saying, I know this isn't going to be, I, I know I'm going to. I, despite everything you saw in my reality, I was giving myself the therapeutic delusion every time I was starting in on one or just coming off on one. I know one day I'm going to have enough motivation. One of these days... I'm going to lack the desire to drink. That was, also becomes the reason why I can drink today. I can drink today because someday in the future, I'm having these thoughts. And so if I'm having these thoughts, then I've got some self-preservation in mind. But someday in the future, I'll get a handle on this. Not today, but it wasn't supposed to be today. It's supposed to be someday in the future. Right? You don't know when it is. I, I said that my main point was I, was I knew I was on a road to sobriety. Crazy thing was you didn't know what that road of sobriety wrong. <laughs> included a whole lot of drinking, a whole lot of pills, a whole across lot of a few states. Hey, and in the end, it even involves some meth. You'd be surprised. People don't shine on recreational meth use. I don't think I would be surprised. Maybe you would, but I don't find I, that the least bit surprising. My, my family's reaction, I was like, well, I'll be dang. I guess this is just one that ain't gonna fit either. Yeah. <laughs> but the difference was was when that one came down, I had already broken away from the selfishness of addiction. I had come to a realization that addiction is giving up everything else for one thing, but recovery, life, a thriving existence is giving up one thing for everything else. And that truly played itself out in my life because it took a few more years until I was actually in a place in a career and everything else that I didn't need that alcohol addiction. 
Maybe that's what finally brought it up. Maybe it wasn't all the terrible things that were happening that my child staring at me in a hotel lobby crying, saying, please, dad, don't get another drink. And me turning around and doing it. That's, that's hard. That hurt. And I wish I could say that was the last time. But it wasn't. Those negative experiences weren't going to get me off of what I was on trying to deal with the negative experiences. I needed to fill those holes in my life, the positivity, with selflessness. You need to find a reason not to reach for the beer. I needed to discover the selflessness because the selfishness Mm -hmm. led me to grabbing my addiction, led me to diving into my career, led me to pulling myself away from my family when that's exactly where I needed to be. As I said, I've been so thankful I hit rock bottom. It took me three job transitions <laughs> until I finally woke up and realized the only thing that matters to me is taking care of my family. And I took on a role that I thought would have been an embarrassment, a shame. I actually had heard of other people who had been stuck in this role too and thought, Oof, yeah. what, what role is this? Stay-at-home dad. Okay. A domestic <laughs> caretaker, if you will? Yeah, call okay. it whatever you want. Right. And I realized, though, that, hey, this is my job now. This is where life has put me. And the selflessness that came from my family finally now getting the best of me, how did I not see that this was the solution all along? Societal norms, that's how. Getting distracted by addictions. That's how. I just never realized that as soon as I stopped trying to bring myself joy and just bring joy to my wife, my child, my dog, (laughs) just giving that joy to others, that hole got filled. And so earlier I was starting to talk on that. When you start realizing you've got these holes in your life, first off, your happiness hole, your love hole, your connection hole. Yeah, we get it. Those aren't going to get filled no matter how much money you make. Yeah. You can't fill those with money. You can't fill those with career pursuits. You can only fill those with the peg that it needs. And that comes from a selfless mentality. So you had to give in order. You had to give of yourself. You had to give up an addiction. You had to give up a career. You had to learn to give of yourself in order to fill the hole that all those years you'd spent trying to fill with you pick the substance you pick the career you pick whatever it may have been i, I don't know if you gambled in the past but oh yeah that was one i yeah, did that it's another right <laughs> like gambling's another thing right gambling's another way that you try to fill your void of happiness or if i've got a joy box in my soul and that joy box is empty i'm gonna go out and get myself some joy how am i gonna do that I'm not at a casino i'm gonna grab some beer i'm gonna fill that hole with some joy. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that joy has side effects that I don't desire, or whether or not that joy is completely temporary, you want to find a joy that is sustainable. You want to find a joy that wakes up with you every day and doesn't require a substance. Okay. Doesn't require you going out to the external in order to fill the hole in the internal. And the only thing that fills the hole in the internal in a sustainable way is love. And we know that. 
we have to bump our heads along the road a long time. And, and you start, you, oh, you I had touch no rock bottom. I got to right? touch on that one. Your rock bottom sound like you woke up at the bottom of a quarry floor, laid up in gravel. You got so many rock bottoms. A couple so, times. Yeah, how many times? I've had rock bottoms. I had one, one incident in college where early, I'm going to say I was 20, came back from Oklahoma State, hanging out with old high school buddies. We go out jet skiing, start drinking at about 12. We drink, we drink, we drink, and then when it's time to go to bed, 7 o'clock probably should have been going to bed, we decide to go to a club. And when we go to a club, we're now eight or nine hours into this bender. We've been baked in the sun. All those things, all that, that tired feeling We've you get when there. you come off a lake. We decide, let's don't, let's don't, party doesn't need to stop here. Let's keep the party moving. Party never needs to stop. Yeah. It, it, when you get into those tracks, the idea of going to bed and ending this, even though it's dragging you down, mm-hmm. the idea of going to bed is just not tolerable. So we run off to a club, one of the one of the few clubs uh, that were, were in our area. I get disconnected from the group. I end up sleeping downtown. I slept downtown for a night. Why? I don't, I'm not sure. That day I woke up to have a good time. And the judgment that gets blurred when alcohol is involved. And then all of a sudden, I don't have a ride home. And then the next thing, I got the sun hitting me on the face. That was a rock bottom for me. But it didn't last. Hey, at least you did that early on. I had a very similar story about the age of 37. That, that, <laughs> that kept me from alcohol for about four months. That was yes. it. That was it. So I had a rock bottom, and I was ashamed of it. And I had to have somebody come pick me up. And... It, the feeling you have when somebody's picking you up the next day, somebody who's dressed in clothing they put on that morning when they showered, the way normal humans do to start a day, and they're coming to pick you up in the clothing that you wore last night with dirt all over you because you laid on the ground, is one of the lowest feelings I've ever felt in my life. And that kept me away from, from alcohol for about four months. And I... I guess maybe I did better in that four months. My social life at that time was so intertwined with alcohol. I didn't have an alternative. Every social life's intertwined with alcohol. I I just didn't have an alternative. And so high school into college, everybody was drinking. And when everybody was drinking, there wasn't a, hey, I want to go hang out sober tonight. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know where to go to do that. I didn't even know that as an option. Didn't even exist. The best thing you do is go be sober it, with all the drunks, it, and it, that doesn't work. It, well, it could have existed, right? I mean, there were people. Not everybody's drinking like that. Mm, but yeah, in the true. lane that I was in, in, with the friends and the groups that I had fun with, the people I wanted to be around, alcohol was not in question. Alcohol was going to be there. The question is, how much alcohol do we need? And is anybody going to run out for two o'clock? Because you know, at about one thirty, you, you really got to take hard looks at the inventory. You know, are we going to be able to take this party to the next level? Or does somebody need to break out of here and go do it? And, and there's just such a, a, a sequence of poor decisions that follow alcohol that it blows me away that guys like you and I can hit a rock bottom and then give it enough time, we forget about it. And we go crawl right back into that spaceship. And we get on that ride again. And we know the outcomes. We know the outcomes are not going to be different. We, we hope that we have a little more moderation than we did last time. But the potential... The individual that's in there, the individual that decided to jet ski all day, followed by club, followed by, oh, my goodness, is that the sun on my face? Did I just sleep on the dirt? Well, how did I get here? 
It all started with a guy who just wanted to have some fun jet skiing. But the alcohol and then my inability, I mean, it's not alcohol is this big demon. It's me and the combination of alcohol do not make for good dance partners. And even though I dance with it often, I used to dance with it quite often. And I didn't have all these really dramatic outcomes. I didn't always wake up downtown with the sun on my face and a confusion in my eye. No, that wasn't the norm. Mm -hmm. But the potential was always there. It was always there. The, and, and that potential is what other people will see outside of you. That's what will make them so scared. At least that's me talking about <clears throat> the experience with, with what my family had to watch me going through. And, man, what, I, what we're talking about here, these aren't like, oh, my gosh, you got addicted to alcohol and had difficulty with your career and family. Like, these are problems. These are stories that people, millions of people are dealing with to some degree or another. Dealing with, not dealing with, aware of, maybe not aware of. And I think that's part of our purpose well, in having to be these the conversations. Norm. Like, I honestly, it's so prevalent. I think it, it starts to be the norm. Everybody just assumes, well, yeah, that's part of being American. I'm supposed to have a successful career that I don't like and addictions that I have on the backside. Yeah, to and help then me give me some medication to get by it. And, and that's a loop. That's an existence that I'm here to say you can break out of yeah. with this lesson of selfishness to selflessness. And now I, I, I haven't quite got to the point that I wanted to finish up on when it came to the career on how I was forced to, to change my mentality as far as my partnership and the way my whole household was ran with me and my wife. At that time, whenever you're in your 20s, just early on getting married, in this day and age, it's not one income households anymore. Oftentimes, both the man and the, the or both partners bring money to the table and it's gotten difficult enough to live, you need both. That's the norm anymore. You believe you need both. Right? You do. Or and you will spend your way because of your need for a distraction. You can spend your way into back into a corner that you can't get out of yeah. unless you have these jobs. I've seen folks that have been at their positions for 20, 30, 40 years, made plenty of money, that they should have complete financial freedom in life. But for some reason, once they've gotten to that point, they've been so ridiculous with their finances that they don't have the opportunity. So they've still kept themselves trapped in. You or know, the pile's not big enough. Yeah, for, the pile, for, yeah. For, for, for people that don't spend, some people are just trying to make the biggest pile of cash they can. So after that, our focus became my wife's career. That was one of the reasons that we didn't continue following mine that was going to require a job transition or a move, a relocation. That was out of the question. And so taking that off the table because of my wife's career at the time, I didn't realize how much impact I was going to have. But down the road, after I had transitioned from a second job and then a third one, we stopped and we looked and realized that we really don't need two incomes. She can make enough. And as long as I can swallow my pride as a man, I don't agree that there's pride to be swallowed in this position. But at the time, I thought that there was some shame in saying, all right, I am unable to be happy and make a living in this world. <laughs> well, you're, you're and gonna... that's basically where I got to. But that's hard. That's hard to say. The fortunate thing was that I had a partner there who could. This same partner that when you talk about love being the thing that we're all looking for to save us from our addictions. There's a beautiful line in a Sturgill Simpson song. It talks about all these things outside in life that can do for him. But in the end, love is the only thing that saved his life. 
And that line touched on me a point. Whenever you're sitting in the depths of despair, that morning after alcohol, that time whenever you finally got coherent enough, you start rolling through the things you did and said, wondering what you did and said. I've sat in that dark corner, metaphorically, balled up in a corner, just crying after what I had done on a drinking episode. And the only thing that kept me sitting there wanting to take breath was the thought that my wife still loves me. She still loves me. She's still here. She still loves me. That's the one like lifeline I could hold on to that kept me from just sinking down to the bottom of an ocean of despair after another alcoholic episode. And that love that she expressed that was keeping me alive in those moments, I finally realized that is, that is what I need. That is where I need to put my emphasis. Not on myself. Stop trying to look at these holes in myself and figuring out how I can fill them, but look to my whole existence. Look to my whole family. Look to my whole partnership. Look to that other person in my life that's there for me. And now let me be there for her. I've spent so much of my 20s trying to be Batman, I didn't realize how good it was going to feel whenever I decided to be Robin. I wanted to be the front man holding the microphone, but I needed to give the microphone to my wife. I'm just going to go play tambourine. That was whenever I found a joy, a completeness, a wholeness in my life that truly allowed me to start enjoying the vacations. <laughs> and when I say vacations, like I'm talking vacations from your time, vacations from your location, vacation from your mental state. See, we sit here and we're beating up alcohol or some of these other things. But in truth, I don't have any problem with what people would call vices in this world. As a matter of fact, I, I enjoy them quite a bit. As long as the drinking is left out for me, I can enjoy some good food. I can enjoy some good travel. I can enjoy these vacations because wherever you go, there you are. You never really do get away from yourself. And that's something that, that I think we, you bumped along in your discovery of what is wrong with me? What, what, why can I not get this together? And, and you found a solution in reversing the spotlight from yourself and giving it to somebody else. We all know the power of giving. We've felt it. It's, it's challenging at times to stay in a rhythm of giving, but there's power in giving. I've always wondered if these self-destructive tendencies that we have, when they come up in our lives, if that energy would be spent giving to somebody else, if that wouldn't be what solves the self-destructive tendency. We were meant to give of ourselves and when we don't, after X amount of time, we fill what would be all these places we get from the reciprocity of love, we fill them with other substances. We fill them with a hamburger. We fill them with a cigarette. Whatever it is we fill it with. I wonder if that energy was redirected towards other people. And in your case, you're supporting your wife. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted in life, I had to give to my wife. And that was how I started to receive it. What did it look like? All right, great. You were selfless. You found joy in being a stay-at-home dad. What that meant was if I wanted some freedom in the day or some joy or relaxation, I'd try to go give that to my wife. Hey, honey, what can I do for you? Is there anything I can do to help out? And giving her the best of my time, 
my attention, myself, because you can't really give of yourself until you are whole. And when you become a complete person, you have something to offer. And a complete person doesn't just take care of themselves. I, you mentioned earlier vacation from yourself. And I think one of, the, one of the ways you can have a vacation from yourself is to give to somebody else. It, it takes your focus off of you. It puts your focus on somebody else. And it's a way to lose yourself for a moment. And, and whatever you're struggling through, if you stop and you go help somebody else, then at the very least, you've stopped running through those tracks of what was hurting you, what was damaging you, what was leaving you unfulfilled. You just get a chance to put those thought patterns down for a minute and go help somebody else. And when you're helping somebody else, you lose that identity. You yourself and all that you are in your mind starts to fade a little bit. And that focus of who am I? What do I look like? What am I wearing? What am I going to do next? It goes away. And that focus becomes on the individual that you're giving to. When I get into those motions, one of the best ways to feel better is to go help somebody else. And I don't care if that means make them dinner. I don't care if that means buy them groceries. I don't care if that means help them put up a fence. I don't even care if it works or if they even know you did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just doing the it. Motion yes. The motion of taking the spotlight off yourself and taking your energy and your focus towards somebody else's need is one of the greatest ways to vacation from yourself because that's what you do. You allow yourself to leave your discontent and go help somebody else's with theirs. And the feelings that you get in that motion are incredible. Giving is one of the greatest ways to feel good. And we know it. It's also one of the things that we have a hard time getting into a rhythm of giving for whatever reason. And, and some of that is our focus on ourselves. And some of those, I've told you in the past, I'm a scorekeeper. And, and I hope at some point in time, I'm 44 now, and I can't stop keeping score. At some point in time in my life, I hope not to be a scorekeeper. And I tell my kids, I'm aware of it now, maybe I haven't been aware in the past, maybe that's the progress I need, or maybe that's the beginning step. But I tell my kids often that the only person that loses is a scorekeeper. And that's analogous to, to baseball. And so if you've been around Little League Baseball where somebody volunteers to be a scorekeeper, if you ask them what their kid did in that game, they have no clue. They have no clue because they were hash marking this little piece of paper here they were keeping score. But when you keep score, you lose moments in life and you start to miss the big picture because you're trying to make sure the level playing field is always there and everything's fair. And as we grow into adults, it's so And I say time, let it get unlevel. That's what we're talking about, getting selfless. Let, it, let the teeter-totter lean the other way. Let the other persons get a little higher than yours. That's hard. Oh, it's incredibly hard. Well, that's why I say I, I'm trying to express here the difficult, <laughs> nasty situations that I had to go through in life to get to this point. What? I had to get eliminated from three jobs, go through 15 years of an addiction, spinning around all the different ways I found to try to please myself, and then not even realizing the whole time that whenever I finally hit the bottom, realized to heck with me. I don't even care about me anymore. I which, only which want to care about others. Whole, you, right. you, oh, you, you kind did. of been doing that the whole time. As yeah. you're destroying yourself, you don't exactly, in these moments where 
self-destruction is on the path. Yeah, selfish behavior leads to self-destruction. That's where you're headed anyway. <laughs> it's too much involvement in self. It's too much focus on self. And that much focus on self is going to blow outside. It's going to blow out a sidewall at some point in time. It's going to have a, oops, I didn't mean to have that bender. Or, oops, I didn't mean to take 10K to the casino and lose it in one night. Oops, these things happen when you're just trying to fill your hole with joy. They happen when you don't have the clarity. That joy can also be obtained by giving somebody something, by making them a meal, by just doing the smallest thing to say, hey, in this moment, it was about you. And you've been on the receiving end of that. Yeah, You know how powerful it is when somebody gives you something. It feels mm -hmm. great, but it also feels great to give, which is what ultimately helps you walk out of this addiction and maybe not walk out of it, create a sustainable lifestyle that doesn't have you wandering back to find that external to fill the internal. Yeah. And with that time, I went through that 15 years, I wanted a new drug to quote the Huey Lewis in the news. Now, alcohol wasn't working for me. I want to find a new drug. And you asked about gambling. I'm, Heck yeah. Yeah. That was one. I, I Gambling, overeating, Oh my gosh, electronics, pills, heck, sleeping. You ever had sloth? You ever dove into that one? Just try to be sedated? Well, I went to college, so there, there were, there were <laughs> yeah. days when I slept quite a bit. I dove into all those. And earlier you asked me, was it because you think you're genetically an alcoholic? Or do you think you had addictive personality? And I said, yes, it is both. The thing was, was that the only aspect of my addictive personality I couldn't control expressed itself out through alcohol. Some of the other ones, you're gambling. Like, I still gamble. I don't have any issue with it. It doesn't get in the way of the other people's joy around me in life. Because that's what became my gauge. Whenever I engage in this activity for vacation of the mind for myself, here in Oklahoma, we got medical marijuana. And I'm a card-carrying member, and... Have no problem with that vacation from the mind, with that substance as a drug in my life. It does not get in the way with my family and everything else. If you really start to look at it, you notice what does and doesn't. And you'd be surprised what you can get away with doing and enjoying in this life. But it doesn't have to become an addiction that destroys everything else around you. Alcohol was the only thing that really did that for me. Once I cut that out, and put the focus on someone else's joy, comfort, then I started realizing what was getting in the way of my own. Yeah. So back, back to what you've learned and how that can help other people. What, what, what would you encourage anybody who is consumed by self? What, what could they do to start a rhythm of selflessness, to start helping others and in turn healing themselves? You need a broad answer for that because every person's so unique in their own way. I would say look at anybody else in your life and project onto them whatever it is that you feel like you want. Freedom, love, joy, financial success. The more we give, the more we all have. When you realized that you would be happier, or maybe you didn't realize in this moment, but when you give to your wife, 
as a domestic caretaker. What are some of the things you do that, that you give to her that you feel really enhance her day? I like to catch her right off the start. Whenever she wakes up, the first thing I like to do is make her a delicious cup of coffee exactly the way she wants it. And just taking me time to figure that out. I, I had to put my time and attention and care into molding the exact cup of coffee she wants. And that is how I like to start off today, showing her that I love her. I sit down and give her my attention and my time. And that's where it begins. That sets the that's stage. Simple. That is simple. It's right? easy. Anybody could wake up, and whether your spouse drinks coffee or orange juice, whatever it is. Just water. Wake and, up and hydrate. Yeah. Here it is, and I prepared it for you. And then stand back and just allow them to enjoy it. I, I think that this journey of selflessness takes a few steps. And you may be miles into the journey. I consider myself to be at best 25 yards in. And I hope you don't have to hit a bottom to learn the rest of it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. This might be my I hope bottom. Nobody does. That's what I want to come here and talk on this show. I want to show you the footholds I found in life to learn my lessons. And then hopefully you can come out the box a little more prepared than I was. I know the power of giving. I've felt it. I have a hard time staying in that place. I can help you for a minute, but then I got to get back to me. And me's always calling. And at some point in time, I would like that demand of me to be somewhat faded into the background. And it's just not there right now. Me still, me still has a megaphone. It gets easy to turn on. <clears throat> you can turn on selflessness. You can turn off selfishness first with those close to you. I, I, I had to do it first with my child, honestly. And then with, with, with my wife. From there... I wonder what this world would look like if people were able to extend it out to their neighbor, extend that out to the community, to the city. What if any time you walked around, everybody you passed was as selfless and cared about you as much as you did for them? It'd be an incredible place. It, it, we, well, I mean, to we be know, honest, we know the answer to that. I'm thinking of the John Lennon place. Imagine song. <laughs> Imagine if there were no possessions. Yeah. Everybody just living for today. I, I guess that's a little bit of where, where it would look like. Well, you started at your dinner table. I think that's, that's what you've just told us. You start selflessness with those around you and develop that mastery and then look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to help your neighbor, to help a friend. There are no lack of opportunities for people that need help. The magnitude of help varies in scale, but... Somebody out there needs help, and you have experience in an area of your life where you could help them. And so it doesn't have to be, I'm going to make them my great-grandma's lasagna. It could be that you have a neighbor who is in a corporate job, who's struggling with something. Because I feel like if you're in a corporate job, <laughs> you're always struggling with something. You went to college to obtain a career or to set yourself on a path to a career. But then when you get out, it involves spreadsheets and it involves, I go here to make this review. Or There's a whole lot of soulless There's a whole lot of this soulless. There's a whole lot of activity in that, will that will foster an opportunity of selfishness. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, when you're toiling away doing things you don't like doing, 
then I think you can rationalize selfishness. You can tell yourself, I deserve this. Why do I deserve this? Because I'm giving all my other time to something I don't want. So I deserve some little Sunday at the end of the day, the end of the week, something to give me pleasure. Whereas if you were doing something you enjoyed in life, then your desire for pleasure at the end of the day, it's already satiated. You could already be a whole person at the end of the day, not a person with holes. Absolutely. End your day as a whole person, and you'll start the next one as a whole person, and you won't spend your whole day trying to fill your holes. Look at why you need to fill your holes. Look at what you're filling your holes with. We're all filling our holes with something that is most likely not serving us. And that was the purpose of this episode. You have gone from an addictive state. Addictive, selfish, painful lifestyle. And not to say there's a cure for anything, but if I'm going to step back and look at your story, I'm going to say the cure is you decided that when I give of self, then my desire to fill myself with these other things that don't give me love it's now satiated. It's solved, right? I, I took my joy box where there used to be alcohol and whatever else, and I've now filled it with love. And all I had to do are these big, large tasks like make a cup of coffee in the morning. Think of someone else before me. Take the trash out before you get asked to take the trash out. Vacuum a floor on occasion. All these things that we know somebody's going to do eventually. They're all there for you at any given moment to exercise your selflessness if you can get out of your own way and do it. Give the best people in their life the best of you. That's the great way to end it. That's a great We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866-340-3394. Again, that number is 866 340 3394. We look forward to hearing from you.